Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. It's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation. You can hear us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As you can probably tell, Kyle's on his cell phone right now driving back from his family's Christmas, but we needed to break down the Louisville game, so we got him on the horn to make sure this would get out to you guys on Friday. Um, Kyle, just kind of, like, what is your biggest key kind of to this Kentucky-Louisville matchup, do you think? Well, I mean, I think if if Reed Travis and P.J. Washington are the Reed Travis and P.J. Washington that they were uh, in the North Carolina game, that we've, you know, I think we can count on probably Reed Travis being Reed Travis because he's been fairly consistent. Um, but he was about as good as he's been in that game. And P.J. Washington with the near triple-double was as well. Um, I, I think they win this game because, you know, Louisville's best player, Jordan Nora, am I saying that right? I think it's just Nora. <laughs> I, that. I think. Um, okay, their their best player, um, you know, will match up with one or both of those guys. Six foot eight, two hundred and fifteen pound sophomore. He's averaging uh, like seventeen and eight or eighteen and nine around there. He's, um, I would say, by far been their best player. Um, you know, and and that is an area of strength for Kentucky. They've got. They've got good power forwards who uh, match up in, in size and physical stature and in, and in you know talent and performance to this point in the season. Uh, so I think if both those guys are on, um, that's, that more than counters Louisville's sort of strong suit. Um, you know, I guess maybe the other is Ashton Hagens again. You know, he, he locked down um, you know, the most dangerous playmaker, uh, Kobe White, uh, for North Carolina. He's had some brilliant defensive games, and um, you know I, I like I like that matchup for him uh, against Cunningham for Louisville. I mean, Louisville would be lost right now without him. He's a, a Kentucky kid who played uh, at Sanford uh, for most of his career, and then grad transferred into Louisville was kind of a salvation for them. He's played well, um, but I I think uh, I'd favor certainly on the defensive side. I would favor. Um, Ashton Hagen's matched up on him. I think he can really harass him and make it difficult for them to initiate offense. Um, so those are probably my two if I was going to list two. Um, you know, and then the other thing that stands out to me about the matchup is it could be a nasty, ugly, messy affair because I think they're both, both teams are in the top 10 ish uh, nationally in free throw attempts uh, per. Free throw or a field goal attempt. I mean, they 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 get a, a huge chunk of their offense at the free throw line. So um, I think this could be a foul test and a free throw shooting contest, and it won't be pretty, but uh, it would that would be pretty much hold to form for both these teams. And you mentioned Cunningham there earlier this week. He was in concussion protocol, but according to multiple reports, he returned to practice this week, so he'll be good to go and facing off against um, Hagens. Do you expect Hagens to be what we saw? in Chicago against North Carolina the rest of this season? or I mean, just him being a freshman, you feel like there's going to be a dip somewhere. Maybe it won't be a long dip. Maybe it won't be enough to enough of a fall-off where it'll really impact a game necessarily. But, um, I, I mean, is that what you expect from him going forward? I think that's what, that's what he should expect of himself. I mean, he's proven that he can do that, on, on, you know, now on the big stage against a, a big-time player. Um, 
we've seen him do it more than once. You know, I, I broke down. I've now written I don't know how many stories about Ashton Hagen's first potential and then, you know, uh, growing role and then starring role as a defender. Um, wrote about it some in the preseason. Wrote about it after he shut down Alonzo from uh, UNC Greensboro in the second half. Just completely locked him down after he'd gone off against some other guys in the first half. Um, and then did it, I, I think, from start to finish and, and in the biggest way on the biggest uh, stage against North Carolina. That's that's what he should be, what he can be. Um, as you point out, I do expect there to be some you know ebbs and flows and um, peaks and valleys for his performance because he's still a freshman. He's still a guy who could have been in high school this season. Um, all, all those guys have their kind of ups and downs, but I for him in particular, I really feel like he's starting to put the pieces together in, in all areas of his game. Uh, I think his confidence is increasing. I, I, I almost wonder if he was has been unsure of if he was good enough, you know, at this level and reclassifying and playing on, you know, at a place like Kentucky when you have such high expectations and then they kind of get uh, sucker punched uh, in that opener against Duke. If, if he doubted himself, but I think that may be over now and you just see the lights starting to come on. Cal Perry talked about a tweak for him. Uh, I think it was an offensive tweak about sort of simplifying things for him and really yeah. boiling it down to like do this or do that and that's it. Don't worry about yeah, that... anything else. Don't think too much. Um, so I think we're going to see him take off. Now I don't think it'll be perfect every game or, or great every game but I really think over the long haul of the rest of the season he's just going to keep getting better. Yeah, Calipari on his coaches show this week which only featured one segment of him and it was uh, recorded after the North Carolina game so we there weren't any calls or anything but he he kind of defined the tweet Kyle that he mentioned and it really wasn't like anything he just said that he had to your kind of point more defined roles you guys do this you guys do that and uh, you know I feel like he just uses that tweak word to kind of generate buzz to a certain extent. Obviously, he's always adjusting things on the fly and making sure his team's at maximum performance. But I think all coaches do that. And the whole tweak thing that get kind of caught fire during the Harrison's freshman year when they ran through the NCAA tournament, I think he just likes to bring up that word every once in a while just to kind of see everybody like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what is the tweak? And try to guess what the tweak is. Well, most times it's something simple like, hey, Ashton Higgins, attack the basket and make good passes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's I think the better way to describe it would be it's usually about defining roles. I mean, he takes some time to evaluate what he has to see what are guys' strengths and what are their weaknesses. And over the course of the season, and sometimes it's, you know, much later, which is, you know, the famous one was with the Harrison Twins in 2014. But at some point he says, okay, I understand now what you do well, what you do well, what these guys do well together. Um, Stop with all the other stuff and just do this thing that you do well. I've heard uh, people uh, describe before that at one point with Alex Poitras, he, he figured out the specific spot on the floor where Alex Poitras was the most successful offensively if he got the ball. Like, specifically right here. If you get it right here, you always make the play. Um, and, and defined that for him and sort of said, okay, go do this. Um, so sometimes it's that specific and sometimes it's that simple. It's just, hey, let's strip away all this other stuff you're trying to do or you're trying to prove. Just go be what is, you know, what you do best and that'll that'll be best for the team. And um, I think Ashton Hagen's 
pretty clearly understands his role now, and I think some other guys are starting to. I, I don't know that he's totally solved it with all of them, but I think several guys, he has a really good feel for what is going to make them successful within this team. And I mean, I, I think he's definitely figured that out with Reed Travis. I feel like Reed Travis is, we, we keep saying the word consistent, but I think he's getting more and more comfortable within this new team of his mm-hmm. uh, after playing with another team for four years. There's still, what, three or four more weeks of Camp Cal where they're not in, in school and class and can work a bunch multiple times a day. Uh, I think there's a very good likelihood that, you know, January 5th, their SEC opener in Alabama they're going to look much different even than they look on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing that kind of sticks out to me with Reed Travis when you're talking about him improving, Calipari said earlier this season that the big guys were kind of going into contact and not worrying about finishing, with the exception of EJ Montgomery, who was trying to avoid contact so he could finish. Um, but after Calipari said that, I kind of noticed that Travis was going you know, strong to the hole through contact and finishing a ton more. And we saw that against North Carolina in their last game. And that's something he's improved on throughout the season. Coming up next, we are going to talk a little bit about what we think the kind of road environment will do to the young players of Kentucky. But first, I did want to tell you guys real quick, once again, about Sling TV. We know you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And if you're... Uh, traveling this holiday season you can take sling tv with you it's the best way to watch college football college basketball it's only 30 bucks a month and that gets you espn pac-12 network sec network and a bunch more you can stream on your big screen but you can also stream on all your favorite devices your phone your laptop your tablet so you can take it anywhere sling tv gives you the live tv you love if you're sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch just so you can see your team win sling tv is the way to go there's no long-term contracts no no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. So how do you think the young Kentucky team, I feel like we ask this question every other year, Kyle, (laughs) will react to the uh, hostile road environment that is the KFC Yum Center in Louisville. It'd be interesting. I, before they proved it to me, I said I was going to have to see them do it in picking against them last week. Went away from home against a, a high-level team. Uh, before they proved it to me, I, I would have thought, I would have said, I'm not sure they can handle it. And I'm still not certain. I mean, they haven't played the true road environment. But I feel uh, much differently about this team's sort of mental makeup after what they did to North Carolina. And, and that was not a, a totally pro-UK crowd. We had a little pregame <laughs> uh, Twitter debate because we were sitting in different places. Um, you were sitting in the upper level facing the heavily North Carolina side, and I was sitting down on the baseline. And anecdotally, it felt like more Kentucky people, but I, you know, I grant you that I didn't see the whole arena. <laughs> Uh, and so it was like simultaneously I was like, this is a pro-UK crowd. And you were tweeting out, this is a heavy North Carolina crowd. <laughs> but to the point being that there were lots of other uh, fans in the building in Chicago. And so it wasn't just a, a home game for Kentucky. And there were times where certainly where the Carolina crowd was making itself heard. So that, I think that's a good, you know, that was a good experience for them. I mean, they, were, they, they felt it too. Um, you know, in Duke against Duke in that opener, there were there were plenty of Duke fans there making noise. So they've experienced that a couple times. One big loss, one big win, 
controlled it really from start to finish against Carolina. Um, I'm a much bigger believer that they can go win, even if the Yum Center is at a fever pitch, and I think it will be. Because people are excited about that program again. They're excited about the new chapter, the new coach, who's just breathed a whole different sort of life into that program. Um, they've played well to this point. You know, they kind of have a comparable best win, Kentucky with a win over North Carolina just inside the top ten. Louisville beat a top ten uh, at the time Michigan State team mm-hmm. uh, at home. You know, could have beaten, should have beaten Marquette uh, up in New York. Uh, and then in their common opponent, they beat Seton Hall, and Kentucky lost to Seton Hall. Yep. So, um, you know, I think they're going to, you know, have a chance just talent-wise um, and, and with a good coach to compete that way. And then when you factor in that crowd, it's a, it's a very big challenge. I think, I, like I said, I would have considered it a much, much bigger challenge before I saw what they were able to do in North Carolina. I think this team will be up to, to playing well in that environment. I'm just curious how, you know, if Louisville got out early – and that place is just becomes a thunderdome. Does that buckle this young team? Uh, you know, that we don't know yet. Under John Calipari, UK is three and six in its first game of the year in the Foes home arena. So this will be Kentucky's first true road game this year. They people probably remember them losing in 2016-17 at Louisville, despite most likely, well, I think it's unequivocally they had the better team overall talent-wise, and that team as we talked about in the previous podcast, is a Luke May shot away from probably going to the Final Four or having an overtime chance. Um, But John Calipari's only lost two games in this series since he's come to Kentucky. Both have been at Louisville. So, you know, that's that's the recipe for a a UofL win is having it in Louisville. Um, So, Kyle, who you got? Uh, I... You know, I think Kentucky. After what I saw last week, I, and I, and just because I believe, I believe Ashton Hagens is blossoming into that guy now. I mean, it was such a huge uh, detriment that they didn't really have a point guard, and now they seem to have a point guard. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think PJ Washington has figured some things out and is just willing to do whatever they need the team need him to do for the team to win. I, I was so impressed. You know, we probably got fourth billing out of that game because so many guys played well. But I was so impressed by him to get eight assists, and some of them were, were incredible passes, which has not been a strength of his so far at Kentucky. Um, and really sharing the ball with PJ with uh, Reed Travis, um, I just think the fact that they've got a point guard, that they, they've got a couple guys in the post now that they can really count on, um, that are veteran guys, by the way, um, my opinion of them has shifted pretty dramatically. And I know it's just one game, but I think he started to see him put some things together there. Um, So I think Kentucky, I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, I'll say Kentucky 78, uh, Louisville 70. Oh, my goodness. That is way too close to mine. And these are already sent, so I can send you the screenshots to confirm that I'm not, like, copying you. I have Kentucky 77, Louisville 70. uh, Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's because a couple of the – Courier Journal and Herald Leader both do picks for these games, and they ask local media to make predictions, and that's what I sent to both of those. So that's what I, I, I'm completely on board with what you said. Uh, I agree with almost everything. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited to get to Louisville and, and check out the game. I'll be watching it on TV. But yeah. um, anyway, Kyle, uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Greer here in a minute. He obviously covers Louisville for the Athletic. Do you have any questions I need to ask to Mr. Greer? 
just ask him uh, if it's been difficult to live so many years in a row in my shadow. Difficult. Just literally in my shadow because I'm so much taller than Jeff. Difficult to live in. I'm, making, I'm writing this down to make sure I get it verbatim. Shadow. All right. I will make sure to and, ask and him. To make sure it's, it's physical. It's physical shadow. Physical shadow. I will put that in bold right here. Physical shadow. All right, Kyle. Safe travels the rest of the way home, and we'll see you in Louisville on Saturday. All right, brother. See you then. See you. Coming up next, we will talk to Jeff Greer about Louisville. We'll answer some of the questions and get the Louisville side of this game. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Now I'm joined by Jeff Greer of The Athletic. Jeff, um, well, we'll get to the Kyle stuff at the end. Um, But uh, (laughs) uh, first, (laughs) because he asked me to ask you a question in the first part of this podcast. Um, But... uh, I'll tell you what, let's start with uh, this question he kind of did. It is Nora, right? That's how you pronounce uh, his name. It's actually, the N is silent, so it's actually Nora. Did that change? Yes, it's like Wario, only Wara. Okay, so we were all mispronouncing it originally, right? Correct. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. But, that, but that's kind of the starting point where where we'd like I'd like to begin is the big guy matchup. I think I think he's kind of been a surprise to a lot of people who haven't been kind of focused on Louisville this season. He's had a tremendous year so far. Yeah, and and I think he um, when, when before the season started, I I honestly thought that uh, it would probably be Stephen Enoch uh, and and Jordan Bora who benefited the most from the change in the way that, that Louisville plays with Chris Mack um, because of the offensive uh, success that guys like Trayvon Blewett um, and, and to a lesser extent, uh, pretty much uh, every big guy who played for, for Chris Mack at Xavier had in his system. Um, but Enoch has not lived up to that. He's missed a lot of shots. He's, he's struggled at times. He's gotten in foul trouble. Laura has. Um, where he's really excelled, he he slimmed down. I know that's that's like a common off season uh, storyline for anybody who uh, you know is, is you're trying to convince people that they may come around the corner and be awesome, uh, turn the corner and be awesome. Um, but he really did. I mean, he lost probably ten or fifteen pounds. He slimmed uh, down the baby fat a little bit and really kind of added a a uh, driving part to his offense. He did not have that really last year. Um, he was a solid rebounder, uh, a guy who obviously was, was trigger-happy from three, um, but he's really evolved, and the offense has, has kind of gone with him. So he, he's got a lot of room to operate. He's coming off screens, uh, handling off screens. He can pull out uh, the, the opposing fours and, and take them off the dribble. He can shoot over guys. Uh, he's got a really quick release. Um, so he's really come far. Um, on the offensive side of things and, and has really blossomed under Chris Mack. Uh, so if they needed somebody to be that guy, it was kind of assumed uh, by people here that it would be him, um, and it took him a little bit to get going. But his last like five or six games, he's just been uh, shooting the lights out and, and scoring at will. So it's been a nice, uh, for Louisville's purposes, it's been a nice uh, emergence. How is he on the on the defensive end? And do you do you have any idea who he'll be matched up with? If it'll be Travis or Washington at the at the start? 
Yeah, that's something actually I was thinking about yesterday um, as I started to look at everything. First of all, he's not very good uh, defensively, and I think that's something that Louisville has to sort of um, hide a little bit. And I think it's interesting with, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll see, what, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Ashton Higgins later, but obviously his his offensive game is still a work in progress and evolving but he's so good defensively, you need him on the floor. It's the same for Louisville and Jordan Wara and the complete opposite side of the court. I mean, you absolutely have to have Jordan Wara on the floor for as much as possible because of that ability to score. The downside is he gets beat a lot on backdoor, backdoor cuts. Uh, you can catch him napping. Uh, sometimes he's, he isn't the quickest getting back uh, on defense. Um, if he misses a shot around the rim, He's tended to be one of the last guys uh, to cross the half-court line and get back. Um, so there's a lot of uh, work that is needed on that side of the ball. Uh, he makes up for it by rebounding a lot, um, and the ability to handle at the four allows him to turn and go and start the break on his own. So, so that kind of alleviates a little bit of it, but... I'm very intrigued to see how they handle those matchups because I think you have to have Dwayne Sutton and V.J. King on Kelvin Johnson mm-hmm. just for both size and athleticism. Uh, and then Laura, I just, I don't know. It's going to be tough on the defensive end for him guarding either of those guys that you mentioned or any of the other big yeah. who come off the bench for Kentucky. You know, you mentioned V.J. King there, and I had it written down. You know, he's a he's a junior and he came in with a lot of hype, and the question I'd kind of typed out is, why isn't V.J. King a star at this point in his career? Is that a surprise to you that he hasn't kind of emerged? Because, I mean, from his first year, there were there were some flashes, and then obviously there was a lot of turmoil last season, but I thought at some point he would kind of pop off and become one of the go-to guys for Louisville. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the assumption, was, was he would uh, emerge this season and uh, be a guy who plays 30 minutes and scores... 12, 15 points a game, and uh, it kind of becomes someone who also, like Jordan Moore, can be used in those isolations or in pick and rolls or coming off um, coming off screens and catching and shooting, stuff like that. Uh, and, and it's really been miserable. I mean, he has really struggled. I, I think part of it is after uh, I had like an hour with him, in October and, and really got into a lot of different topics and I, I honestly believe with him he is a, a guy who has really made a lot of things more uh, anxious, more stressful there's a word for it I won't use it on the podcast but he mind uh, <laughs> he mind screws things <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just uh, this is a family podcast I mean he's just like he just cannot get out of his own head. Yeah. He passes up wide open threes to drive or take challenge shots. Uh, he he sees he sees or feels contact before it arrives and, and misses layups. A lot of stuff that he said that adding muscle and all this stuff in the offseason would fix, but it just hasn't. And the, the the worst part about it for him personally is Dwayne Sutton and Jordan Wara are probably playing the best out of anyone on Louisville, and those are the two guys that he's competing the most with for minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of all compounded for him. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, you, you mentioned Ashton Higgins a little bit ago, and obviously uh, Christian Cunningham, the grad transfer who has Kentucky roots played at Henry Clay. Uh, he's been playing well. He, he's fully healthy, right? Everything's a go with him. He had a concussion kind of scare, right? 
Yeah, he took a hard spill, had concussion symptoms, uh, and missed the game last Friday, but he he's back in practice as of Christmas, so he should be good to go for Saturday. How do you think that matchup's going to go? I mean, we finally saw, I think, the kind of the potential of Ashton Higgins on the defensive end specifically against UNC. How, how do you think that Cunningham, will, if that is the Higgins we see, will deal with that? Yeah, I mean, if that's the Higgins that we see, I mean, it's going to be a long day for anybody bringing the ball up. I mean, that guy is, is a tenacious on-ball defender and, and just such a really good defender overall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do think that a guy like Christian Cunningham um, is, is someone who gets you to spots, who, who sets the table. I, I realize those are cliches, but... They're cliches for a reason. I mean, they're they're true uh, for some people, and that's what he does. He manages the game. He's not going to blow by, especially someone as athletic and talented as Ashton Higgins. He's not going to blow by him up the court uh, and hit that extra gear and and get into the open floor and and do crazy things like like a deer and Fox or a Donovan Mitchell guys like that. He's not going to do that, but. Uh, he's very savvy. Uh, he knows uh, kind of the cracks and crevices and nooks of the game. He knows where to get uh, his guys. He knows where to to stay out of uh, so to avoid trouble. Um, and so it, it's sort of a steady approach to, to point guard. So he may not uh, – he, he's had a few games here in, in recent weeks where he's looked for his offense and looked for his shot um, more so than he was doing earlier in the season. He may not – do that in this one, I would imagine that the goal will be to safely get it uh, 70 feet or so and get it into the hands of guys like Warren, Sutton, uh, Darius Perry, and guys who can score off the dribble and and shooting um, and and be kind of the guy to space the floor and and run things for them. So uh, as long as he can do that and defend a little bit on the other end, I think they'll be pretty happy with with what he brings to the table as a, a veteran point guard. So what do you see happening in this one? Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I came home from, I was in Baltimore. My brother and his wife lived there and their kids. And I was there uh, for Christmas. And the question started there was with my family. We're all New Englanders, but, but <laughs> obviously with my job, they're interested in yeah. what's going on down here. And I'm just like, well, shoot, I should probably start thinking about what my actual <laughs> prediction is. I, I I do not feel confident whatsoever with this, but I, I, I picked Louisville by two points. I know Ken Palm, I think last I checked, had Kentucky by a point with like 52% confidence. Sagarin's real close. ESPN's real close. Um, I'm guessing the line will be maybe Kentucky minus one, but also could be a pick em. I, I I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I just tend to, in those situations, lean towards the home team. Um, and I think Louisville can hit enough shots uh, to, to keep Kentucky's defense honest, but I'm not very confident in that whatsoever. Yeah, and I think the the UNC game kind of just threw everybody's thoughts on this yeah, game haywire. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. so I, I, uh, we, Kyle and I both picked Kentucky to win a little bit earlier in this podcast, but it wasn't with you know a complete complete confidence because they are freshmen and this is the true the first true road game that they'll be facing. Um, so all right, since we've t- talked about all the basketball now, one I have a question for me, and then I have the question from Kyle. My my question is, why in the world would you voluntarily go back and work at the same company as Kyle Tucker? 
<laughs> you know, I ask myself that every single time my phone buzzes and his name pops up on my screen. It's, it's, uh, it's a question that uh, I fall asleep thinking about and then I wake up thinking about. But um, but now, seriously, it's kind of fun uh, getting back with someone who uh, is so just doggedly hardworking. Um, he makes me angry sometimes with how uh, prolific he is, but... Uh, He's a good buddy, and um, it's kind of fun to, to rejoin forces after a few years apart. Yeah, and you guys, uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. It's the Friday podcast, but on Friday, you guys will be doing a live chat for The Athletic, and I recommend everybody go check out Jeff's Jeff's work. He had an awesome piece uh, where he walked to Freedom Hall with Denny Crum. That was really a fun read. And, of course, as Kyle always tells us, to subscribe to The Athletic, and you can get all that content. All right, Jeff, here's a question from Kyle. <clears throat> And I'm reading this verbatim. This is going to be mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it difficult to live in Kyle's physical shadow? <laughs> That's just, that is just so rude, but, but it's so true. I mean, honestly, there's a reason that uh, I'm always carrying flashlights with me because I just have to constantly uh, find ways out well, from the shadow. It's a, it's a lifelong challenge. Let me, me tell you something, Jeff, though. Come going to Chicago, Kyle Tucker walks in and you're like, man, where'd all his hair go? He got a new hairstyle and I'm not going to say anything hundred percent, but it's kind of similar to yours, man. He might be copying I, you. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. It feels a lot, a lot similar to mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's definitely following a trend, but, uh, but it's okay. Uh, he can join the, join the crew. We look good. And, uh, I think his wife actually uh, prefers it this way. So, yeah. um, Make of that what you will. <laughs> Let everybody know where they can follow you along on social media. <laughs> um, you can send all of your hate tweets at Jeff Greer underscore um, whenever you want. I'll, I'll obviously be uh, writing quite a bit about the game on Saturday and, and going forward in this first year with, with Chris Mack. And, of course, you can also find us on theathletic.com where there's like you said, Curtis, I mean, there's just so much great stuff. I'm just lucky to be a part of uh, such a talented group, uh, including Kyle. So uh, hopefully people give us a follow and keep following along through the rest of basketball season. Thanks so much for your time, man. All right. Thanks, Curtis. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeff for jumping on the podcast. Be sure to be following along with his coverage and Kyle's coverage on The Athletic. This is the Friday podcast. John Calipari and a couple players will be available to the media on Friday, so be sure to be checking out Kyle's and I's timeline on Twitter. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Kyle, of course, is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I'll post all the interviews at BigBlueInsider.com from the pregame and postgame from Louisville. We plan on recording a podcast right after the game, so stay tuned for that. Follow on Twitter at LockedOnUK, and you'll see the podcast posted as soon as they're uploaded and the best way to get them as quickly as you can is to subscribe however you listen to your podcast please share rate review comment all that to help us spread the word about this podcast thanks so much for listening to locked on kentucky we'll talk to you soon you are locked on kentucky available on apple podcasts google podcasts or tell alexa or google to play podcast locked on Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. You ready to podcast? I'm ready to do it. All right. Hello, Jeff. Curtis, how are you, buddy? Good, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I figure we'll just jump in. Um, Just do it. All right.